Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this week's podcast episode. In this episode, we are going to be talking about a topic that is becoming increasingly an issue for anyone that does link building, and that is selecting your link targets. Because link building is changing, link setters are getting smarter, and link farms are getting smarter. And quite often, I've been fooled by buying a link on an obvious link farm that I would never have said yes to, because some of the metrics that we have historically looked at, etc., are being tricked. And so we're going to be talking about that in this episode. If you are building links, you have to watch this episode. It's going to help you a lot and maybe avoid you some trouble. So I'm not gonna tease you more. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about something that I think is going to be interesting to a lot of people who are listening to this. We're going to be talking about link farms and we're going to be talking about link building in general, but the fact that more and more sites that you're most likely outreaching to and getting links from are link farms at this point and they might not do what you want to your rankings. And I actually asked Mark just before this episode, like what image I should take to like get started. And the image I had was, I think link farms are the best proof that free market is the best way to push innovation forward because all these link farms have been changing so much recently and nobody's talking about this in the industry. And honestly, they fooled us quite a few times in the last few months, making us believe they were real sites when they were not real sites. And we'll show you exactly what fooled us and what we got essentially. That was quite interesting. So we're going to share that experience with you. We're going to share with you the learnings we have and probably the sites you should avoid getting slash buying links from. But before that, you know what's coming. How's it going, Mark? Well, I love, first of all, how you say that I somehow approved that analogy when it was like between one of your two bad choices and then I didn't actually approve of it. But sure enough, let's, <laughs> That's approving let's, for me, you know? let's go with the, the free market economy causes link farms. The other one was like COVID variants. It was even worse. So yeah, I think that's fine. I think let's stick with that. But anyway, people don't, are not here to listen about the free market. There's like a free economics for that. It's a much better podcast. Uh, COVID variants, I'm not sure which one you would be listening to. But uh, let's talk about link building here because that's what people want to hear about. And so I want to start with uh, some stats because actually we recently did a link building survey and uh, people have, like we're going, we're in the process of processing the results right now. So we're going to be giving you guys a bunch of insights on the link building market in a few weeks, like uh, the writers are still working on it, crunching the stats, etc. But 50 to 60% of all the participants in that survey, which is almost 800 people are doing guest posting as a link building strategy. And I think that was the number one link building strategy that people were using across everything, basically. So that was the most used tactic. And about 80% of the people who do guest posting were paying for guest posts. So it's a, if you're not paying for guest posts, you're in the minority at this point. Four out of five people are paying for guest posts when they're doing guest posting. So when someone says on Twitter they're doing guest posting, they're most likely paying for it, even though they might not necessarily state it. But there's one in five chances they're not paying. So just don't judge them too quickly. And then for those who don't pay, people said basically that they are in a niche where it's risky or too difficult to pay. They are not able to find good paid opportunities. So they're open to the idea, but they just can't find it. And I think they might essentially have had some of the thoughts we're going to talk about in this podcast or that they couldn't find like niche specific sites in a niche basically, and they didn't want to get things from generic sites. So that gives some context, like guest posting 
it's hot right now. Let's just say that it's, it wasn't so much like PBNs were more of the rage like three, four years ago. And now I don't hear about PBNs that much anymore. Although I think a lot of guest posting is PBNs these days. I think we could say that. They've evolved. Exactly. They're like a COVID variant. See, it's a great analogy. <laughs> and so like, I think these two have kind of merged at the low end of the market. And that's what's happening. And now everything's a guest post, but nothing's really a guest post. So explain to us maybe what the problem is with these link farms and like why we should be avoiding them. Yeah, so basically this all comes back to your free market analogy at the start, right? SEOs, oh, you like it. SEOs value links highly, <laughs> and rightfully so, because evidence has shown that links dramatically improve rankings. But it didn't take long for site owners to catch on to this. And you know, I remember five, six years ago doing outreach campaigns and getting loads of free links for mediocre affiliate websites. Whereas these days, the vast majority of people you outreach to below a certain threshold are going to come back to you with a, a price offer. So they'll be selling links. And this dichotomy has been made worse by the in certain niches like such as CBD you can't buy ads so the only way to promote is through doing SEO and through doing link building other niches such as casino very difficult to get links naturally or from bloggers from legit sites uh, so you tend to have to buy links so there's this huge budget and like amount of uh, demand that's that's cropped up over the last few years particularly from CBD I might add and there has thus been a selection or a section of site owners, or perhaps they were former PBN owners or some combination of, of two who realized they can make a lot of money selling links to these people. And so people have started building huge businesses around this. Like I know one travel blogger who built, I think it was over a hundred websites in that space selling links. And this was going back many years ago now. When we did a recent hiring spree for a link building role, several of the applicants who applied actually worked for companies who were essentially link farms. So we got a bit of an interesting insight into how they operate writers there as well, and actually. The, the scale they, they work on. Yeah, writers another one as well, for sure. So in a way, these link farms are really just a reaction to what people want. Uh, links are hard. Uh, so if they can be commoditized and bought and sold easily and quantified using metrics such as DR, there's going to be a market for them. And there's a high uh, profit margin on them. On huge, them, huge. Say. Yeah, a lot of money to be made in, in this space. Now, the difficulty in 2022 is spotting them because if you go back just a few years, they all looked the same. They weren't very well designed. They, stu they stood out a mile. You could literally just look at the homepage and think, yeah, it's probably a link farm. And that was that. But of course, free market economy, link farmers, the people running these sites adapt and the sites have gotten better and better to the point where there's this big gray area in the middle. That it's, it's actually really difficult to say, is this a link farm or is this a real business that sells links? And the, the, that gray area in the middle is, is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So we wanted to go through a number of different factors you can look at to help you build up a picture of what's going on with a, a site. Because it's, it's not so simple as just make, looking at the homepage these days. I think before we go through the factors, I want to do two things. One, I want to say that you don't like my analogy. You fucking love it because you just talked about it all the time. Hey, I'm, second, just, I'm just following <laughs> the, the party line here. You started it, so I'll finish it. And second, I want to talk about like what the consequences are from getting links from link farms, because I think that's an important point as well. Like recognizing them is one thing, but it's like, is it really that bad to get links from link farm? Like, do they work? Do they not work? Can they hurt you, etc.? And honestly, it's hard to give a definitive answer on this because it always 
always depends. It's SEO. But I think that if you have too many links from very obvious link farms, it can be negative for you. We believe we have one site recently that actually got affected by that. I think we made the mistake of being too lax in the links that we picked and then it actually affected one of our sites. And that's what made us look a lot deeper into that. And that's why we're talking about this today. So you don't have that mistake. But I think if you build the occasional link from the link from link farms, it's like at worst, Google is just going to ignore it at best. They're actually going to help your rankings. I don't think Google flags all of them, etc. But I think it's just something that you need to be a little wary of if you are doing lots of outsourcing your link building and like paying third parties or like not looking too closely to the links you're acquiring. Because if it becomes a big part of your link profile, then yeah, I think there could be risks. Again, it's hard. like Google doesn't necessarily tell you these days you've been flagged for links or penalized for links, so you're getting less traffic for links. But from my research, I've seen several sites that have done that, a lot of that kind of link building that got negative traffic effects from these core updates, basically. I suspect it might be that, but I can't say for sure, and there's no science behind it, so I want to put a big disclaimer around this. You know, It's also when we look through a list of links, it's not that difficult to spot the link farm. So I, yeah. I, if we're able to do it, pretty easily. I don't think it's too difficult for Google to start categorizing these in, in such a way. So. Not only that, but uh, Google could have a policy change, right? We know when Penguin rolled out a long, long time ago now, like they didn't penalize you for the links you built after the update. They penalize you for the links you built before the update. And so like, you know, if you do dodgy stuff today, even if it works, you potentially put your future self at risk of getting affected by updates, etc. So in general, while I don't think it's going to be a big problem if you have a couple of these links, I think you should try to avoid making this the majority of your link profile. And I think that's good context for uh, what's coming after, basically. So now I think you can start going through how do you spot a link farm? Okay, so the first is a very basic look and feel. I've got an example here. It's forsoftwaredownloads.com. And this is what I was talking about before when I, I say this is like the classic link farm oh, yeah. look. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it is about it. It's like probably like the text logo, that black nav bar that looks like the default WordPress it's like theme. like the 1995 design, and, you know? Yeah, the PowerPoint logo. It doesn't look like much TLC has been put in, into it. Would you read that site? If you landed on this from search and you'd land on that site, do they run ads? Like that's we'll talk about that, but I don't think they're even running ads, right? No, no. So like it's super obvious. Like a site like that not running ads, I'm like, okay, see you later. I wouldn't actually say the ads affected that much because there's plenty of sites. I know, but like a site we'll talk about that, but like there's no way they make money from this basically other than selling links. And it's like uh it's a problem for me. Yeah. For now though, I just want to focus on like the that initial look and feel though. Yeah. Because this is what most people were used to when they were looking at link farms several years ago and they could spot them a mile away. But they've gotten a little bit better. I've got another example here. I say a little bit better, it's still not amazing, but uh, this one here is soup.io. And this actually came out in um, a recent call we were doing with a few Platinum members. And uh, it's a really interesting site because, you know, it looks okay. I like guess it's, it's a bit more modern, a bit fancier. Okay, they got some stock images there, but it doesn't look as obviously fake as the, the other one at first glance. It passes that initial first glance test. But if you look closer, there are a few more issues. One of which, and this is very, very common, is that there are a very broad selection of topics on the site. Yeah. And this is done in such a way so they can sell relevant links to more 
websites Anyone, to more yeah. agencies because if you want a technology link, then you can get it. If you want uh, something to do with science and health or business, you can, you can do it. And they're very broad categories. You can classify most stuff kind of under there. If we actually dig into some of the categories. I mean, let's know. read the categories that they have. Yeah, they have home, news, technology, business, entertainment, and science and health. And usually when I talk to a link builder that shows me a site like that, I'm like, all right, let's play a game. I challenge you to find a niche where you cannot put a relevant link on that site. Like try to think of a niche where you can do that. Paintball, entertainment, CBD, science and health, VPN, technology, banking, business. Like you can do any sub niche you want in that. And that's the mark of a lot, a lot, a lot of link farms these days. Like they try to look like these generic magazines. And it's super, so like usually looking at the navigation bar for me gives it away really quickly these days. And I challenge you to play that game. Try to think of a niche that you cannot fit within their categories. If you cannot think of one, it's 90, unless it's a site you know about like Forbes or something like that, or Mashable or something, then it's a link farm very likely. Or it may be a local newspaper. That's the one thing that might be actually okay. But actually, several local newspapers are also link farms. So yeah, yeah that's a and, and we'll, we'll talk about that later as well. But I want to really avoid making too many definitive statements. Like, if this, then it's a link farm. Yeah, uh, yeah, because okay. there's so many different factors here, which we'll go through in this, this podcast episode. And the mental model you have to take with this is that you're trying to build up a picture of what's going on and you need to look at all or most of these factors usually in order to do it because it's not always super obvious and we have a few examples later on which are really borderline and we can talk about them towards the end. So yeah, the broad topics is one. The next uh, issue I want to talk about is the types of posts which appear on there. So I've got an example here, earthenworld.com. I mean, you can see already they have the, the different categories at the top, although it's not too far. News, nature, travel, space, history, Not life. too far removed. It's a bit better because, for example, business is not there. They maybe slot it in news or something, but like it's not fully covering everything. And that's, I think, introducing a little bit of the nuance here, you know? Yeah. I guess they could throw it in life or something. I don't know. Like if you want to put if you if you uh, look at the paintball. categories on the sidebar, however, you'll see they have about twenty uh -huh. different ones there. And they do have a business category. They have a travel one. They uh, have a tips category. Oh, here you go. They, oh yeah, I see it. Okay, fine. Yeah, they even have a gambling category, which is what I want to talk they about now, a... which is the types of posts that you see on the site. So if you look at the homepage of a site and you see fifth post down, five biggest online gambling companies in the world. Then, and the seventh post is how online poker evolved in the US over the past years and what games are currently available in New Jersey. Then your, your spidey sense <laughs> starts to go off a little bit here. I know I just said that it's hard to draw definitive conclusions from this, but this would be one of those cases where I'm leaning more towards actually doing that. Now, what happens in some sites is they try to be a little bit more sneaky. If you look on the homepage, it's actually really well designed, has high value content, not obvious link farm stuff. But if you click on any of the categories, then often you can see the real post that they're, they're, they're posting on there. And that's where all the dodgy guest posts will appear. Okay, I wanted to ask you a question though. If a site has some links to casinos, would you like not get a link from it if everything else is fine, for example? Like, is that like a, because I think that's a big debate in the SEO world. Like I can hear your dog definitely would not get that link, but like otherwise, <laughs> but what would you do? 
Would you get a link from a site that is otherwise good, but that has a few casino links? Or would you not? Yeah, it's not necessarily a deal breaker to have a couple here and there. It's just if they have a gambling category full of full of them, then no, I wouldn't go for that. Authority Hacker, for example, has the odd link to a casino site here and there. Not because they've done guest posts or anything like that. I mean, we would never do that. But because we've actually talked in the past about some really interesting link building examples like PR stuff that some casinos did in order to to win some links. There's an interesting marketing case study. So pretty sure I covered Pornhub as well in some yeah, examples. Yeah, I mean, so, in, yeah. in that context, <laughs> when it's done right and when it's very relevant to, to what we're talking about, it's it's really no no issue. I think where you start to have problems is when five of the last ten posts on their site are obvious guest posts from casinos, and there's a big difference yeah. between the, the the two there. I mean, there's a difference between promoting the casinos with exact match anchor text to a commercial page and like mentioning them inside the business case study very well contextualized within the post, not necessarily trying to sell anything and or push a specific landing page with a specific keyword. I think that's kind of like the way I would look at it. But many, many times when you're like hesitating, it's usually the first one, right? Where they're just trying to push anchor texts and uh, specific landing pages. And in that case, like... I think when I was reviewing for Disavow recently, I was trying to, like, I was essentially saying, well, if there's more than two or three, probably not. If there's like the odd one, even if it, if everything else is good on the domain, I'll probably go for it. Because the truth is, while in practice, you probably don't want to be close to these sites. In practice, it's sometimes challenging to find sites that don't link to these. I mean, if Forbes links to these sites, for sure, you'll find casino links on Forbes. You do not want to link on Forbes. Same with Mashable, same with all these big sites. Do you not want to link on them? So it's like, it's hard to put a hard rule. And as most things we're going to talk about, it's hard to put a hard rule on, on anything, but it's kind of a negative point, I would say. Do you want to take the next point? Yeah, so the next point is the lack of an alternative business model. And this has become especially prevalent recently with mummy bloggers. I don't mean to single them out specifically because it happens with all sites, but I just seem to have noticed... Is that a misogynistic comment? Are you going to get cancelled? I just seem to have noticed a lot of these types of sites where someone has started a real blog and has started blogging, started writing interesting information uh, sharing insights from their their personal life, whatever. But because they haven't really approached it as a business, they perhaps haven't made so much money or you know just made a few hundred dollars here and there. And then as they start growing in DR and traffic, they start getting offers from CBD sites, from casino sites, from anyone doing link building, All hoping to, well, to get yeah. a link. Yeah, yeah. And they realize that they can make a lot of money, like sometimes a full-time income or even more just by selling links on their, their sites. So they start doing that and then they start to try and like do more of that and more of that. And then that just becomes their, their business. So they, you end up with this site, which is or originally what it originally was a, a real site with a real person behind it. But all the recent posts are just obvious paid link stuff to often. Sometimes not, not they're mixed nice. as well. Sometimes they keep blogging as well. Like it's not so obvious. Like sometimes they keep adding other content and mix it with paid posts. Sometimes they hide the paid posts and they put only the real posts on the front, on the homepage, etc. It's quite tricky, yeah. That's true. There's an example here I'm, I'm going to use, optimisticmummy.com. Keeping the positivity in a crazy, hectic life, and there's a blogger here. Except the first post is, all you need to know about gambling laws in Ontario, Ontario, Canada. Or the second one, six instances where you will need a family lawyer. And it just 
you know, you start to build up a picture of what's what's going on here, what's happening with this site and what's going on with the the, the business model. They also have this casinable, which is a casino site, ad kind of on the on the sidebar as well with a text link as well. And yeah, it's pretty obvious what they're doing and, and why they're doing it. Um, and this would be a, a kind of a big, big red flag for me when I'm I'm doing. But I don't think it's just money bloggers. I think the main point of this is like, does the site? How is the site making money? And if you can't answer that question, other than they're selling links, then it's probably a link farm. That's why, for example, earlier in the episode, I was like, okay, this site is not even running ads because I know it's counterintuitive, but I'd rather see a site filled with Ezoic ads all over. That seems to me more real, like the, the site owner has a way to make money, which is getting page views, getting paid with ads, or getting a bunch of affiliate posts so that the, the site owner is trying to make money from affiliates or collecting emails and then trying to sell stuff via emails, like just whatever they're doing to make money or like having products. But if you can't find any of that, like the first site you shared didn't have any of that. It was just content published and then no ads, no affiliate, no nothing. And same with that mommy blogger site, right? There's just... Like, where's the money, right? And if you can't answer that, there's no way that this is not a link farm usually. Like, there's a few altruistic people out there left, but like, they're unlikely to be the people that would sell you links, right? They're the people who have like strong principles and they just, they want their site to be great and they, they won't do, they won't like corrupt it for 20 bucks. So it's like, if you can't find any other business model, it's quite tricky to really trust that website. And for me, it's a big red flag if I can't find any business model with this site. So I think that's, you need to answer that question. How does this site make money? If you can't answer that question other than paid posts, it's a link farm. And you can, also, you can also look at factors such as how much traffic do they have? Like this, this optimistic mommy site, that's I think it has 4,000 yeah. 4, visits per Let's month. Let's talk about and traffic. So, well, I'm just saying like, you can kind of combine it. It has 4,000 visits a month. So how much money are they going to be making off of that 4,000 visits yeah, a month? Not very much. So how are they sustaining themselves? Well, selling links. So yeah, kind of goes ahead. But goes let's, let's jump on to tra organic traffic because I think it's a good one. I think organic traffic is definitely a good sign that uh, Google likes the website, obviously, especially with all the recent core updates and Google being quite harsh with small publishers and so on. Like if a site still has organic traffic, it's a good sign that Google likes them. I would say today it's a much, much better sign to see high organic traffic than to see high DR or DA or anything like that. I think we have a huge problem with SEO tools. And the problem is, I have this theory where Google is zombifying a section of the internet right now, right? It's taking low quality sites, it's fucking killing their traffic. But the DR or the authority on the SEO tool still stays high because these SEO tools are not zombifying a section of the internet. So like on one end, you have Google saying, we hate these sites. And on the other side, you have SEO tools saying, we love these sites. We think they're I don't great. think that's a fair assessment they're of, not saying of that, SEO tools. But that's so how people, I, think, I know, but like that's how people read them. Let's just say that. But I think that's ultimately the problem here is how people interpret DR. Like Most people don't even know what it is. It's just what does it actually metric. measure? Yeah. So just measures the number of quantity and quality of links pointing to a site. Yeah. And that is a problem because people don't use it for that. They use it for an indication of, oh, 100 is a better authority. site, uh, zero is a lower authority site, right? And they're not, like, none of the SEO tools are removing the bad links or taking any, exactly. any kind of traffic drop or anything like that into account. So while DR and stuff can go down, if you abandon a site, it, it goes down very, very slowly. And so yeah. you can a site can be dead for 
five years, 10 years, and still have still idea, 90% yeah. of his DR is peak. And that's not really going to tell you what's going on. So traffic is therefore more interesting to look at. It is more interesting to I mean, yeah, I want to finish on, on SEO metrics, on DR specifically, because most of the industry at this point uses DR. But I really think that now we need a new metric for authority that, you know, combines multiple things. I know ICMRush has attempted to do that. I haven't looked at it, to be honest, but I know that the authority score uses things like search traffic, etc. I do think Ahrefs needs to look at that because we're heading to a world where there's Ahrefs vision of things where like what they show, the picture they show, and what Google actually does. It's becoming more and more split, you know, it's like, it's not the same picture anymore. Where it used to be much closer in the past before all these core updates, et cetera, that essentially kills low quality sites, even though they're high authority and have lots of links. I think what's especially difficult about that is in this specific case, when we're trying to look at sites pretending to be have high authority or link farms or, or, or whatever, like the people gaming the system are these exact people. So yeah. it's it's kind of like you want them to make a metric for all sites, but it's only really these sites that are causing the, the the problem. And it's a big problem, especially if you're doing link building. It's their market, you know? It's like who they sell the tool to. So it's quite important, I would say. While it's a small percentage of the internet, I agree, it's most of the income these SEO tools are making is the, the people who care about that is the people who pay them, right? Ultimately, though, it's only a small percentage of the internet this is affecting. But it's a big percentage of the sites who you're outreaching to because most of the sites who are trying to rely on these kind of metrics to inflate their perceived authority are the link farms. So it's the exact target market which you're, is being affected here. And the people who pay for the SEO tools, they care a lot about that, even if it's a small part of the internet. That disconnect is a huge issue because a lot of people, they are wrong in the way they read these metrics. But when you sell the tool and when you build the metric, I think it's your job to do essentially a communication campaign to re-educate your customers. And maybe, I don't think they need to change the R. I think they need to come up with a new kind of like authority metric that would then take more into account than just things because... I think links just don't cut it anymore. Like you see sites with lots of links getting dunked on by Google and then they're just recycled as link farms. That's what's happening. It's kind of like the cycle of life SEO version, you know, <laughs> where essentially sites get high authority. Eventually, like it goes wrong editorially or whatever, or they just had lots of shitty links. They get dunked on by Google, minus 95% traffic, domain drops, someone picks it up buys it on the auction for like 10 grand, builds a shitty PBN on it, slash link farm, and eventually resells links for a bunch of money, tries to get their money back and make a profit. And the problem is the, it's kind of like the zombie apocalypse, right? Like when one bites you, you just become a zombie yourself, you know? And then eventually it spreads. And so it's a bit, uh, it's I've, a, I've it's got a bit an of a interesting problem. example here of a site, actually, European Financial Review. So DR62. And at one uh -huh. point they did have, what, like 10,000 visits or something, which isn't amazing, but they now have 545. So if you don't look at traffic, you're just looking at DR, it's a DR62 site, you think, oh, that's a good link. Finance. But it's actually more likely not such a good link. Yeah, so usually I look at two things. And it's funny because I've been teaching that in TAS for years, actually. Like it's since TAS 2.0, we have this. So it's almost like six years or something, four or five, no, even a bit less, four or five years. Teaching to uh, for people to look at the organic traffic divided by the DR and then look at that number. Because what it does is it gives you an idea of like the SEO efficiency of a given domain. Like how much authority do they have? 
And what do they do with it? Are they successful at actually transforming that authority into organic traffic? So when you compare sites, if you divide these two metrics together, I do that with my competitor research when I want to pick up keywords, because then I identify the overperformers of my industry. And we can kind of like look at what they're doing and inspire ourselves from what they're doing. It's one of the metrics that we do. And I think now it's probably a good metric for link building as well. I think just building that metric of like, yeah, organic traffic divided by DR, it's, it's obviously not perfect because DR doesn't scale linearly. So like this scales linearly, I think you could make a more complicated formula, but it's still an interesting one to see the people who perform. And I think if you did that number and you put a minimum threshold on who you would want to get a link from, if they only get like 10, even like 100 traffic per point of the eye, it's pretty terrible. If the number is less than 100, then I don't want to actually get a link from that site or something. So I think that would be an interesting, we haven't explored that. I was just thinking that you should probably put a threshold, but I think it's a, it's a good one to look at better than just looking at DR at least. It's not perfect. I think someone can do a better job, but yeah, that gives an idea. And if you want to learn more about uh, TAS, the authority site system and the, the training in there, go over to authorityhackertraining.com and you can sign up for a, a free training video, free which training we have, which first, shows yeah. you some of the stuff that we're, we're talking about there and much more. As what exactly is in there? <laughs> like how you don't even know. <laughs> so it's I'm like just having a nice segue so you can tell us more about <laughs> okay. it. We can advertise the All stuff right. we sell. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can see, I can see you know this well. Now it's basically, I mean, in task we teach people how to build, like how to start a site basically. So it's like everything about starting a site, like how to pick a niche, how to monetize it, how to like build your site technically, all of that. So I kind of, the free training essentially touches on a little bit on each thing, right? So there's five or six tips and one on, is on like niche selection, one is on site building and like tools to use, one is on like how to build like affiliate tables without paying for any plugin, for example, things like that. So there's a bunch of tips for starting your site. You can take these tips and build your site and not buy the training if you want, or you can check it out after you've checked the free training if you want to get more basically. So it's pretty open on that. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to, I mean, really good yeah, point yeah. about the DR thing, but we're kind of starting to ramble a bit. So the next point is going to be on traffic drops. So there are some sites out there. I've got exam an example here, europeanbusinessreview.com, probably related to European Financial Review, I would imagine. But they have a DR of 79, which is really good. This is amazing, amazing DR. And they have, what is it, 62,000 traffic which is decent. It's not very efficient if we're using the uh, metric you you created for us there, Gail. But what's really interesting is if we look in Ahrefs at the traffic history, they used mm. to have a couple years ago, or even just less than that, 323,000. So they've lost, was it like 80 odd percent of their traffic in the last year or so, which isn't a good look, I would say. And this is a big red flag there. And so while they still have some actual traffic, the recent traffic drops may indicate a problem and that will help us to build up a picture yeah. of, of what's going on here. Okay, so the next factor we want to look at is going to be outbound links. So where they're actually linking out to. And we kind of touched on this a bit before when we look at the, the types of guest posts and the content on their site. But if you go into Ahrefs and look at outgoing links, linked domains, and then you sort in descending order of date, you can see who they're linking out to recently, and that will help you build up a picture of what is going on. The one big thing I want to say about this is it doesn't work on the light plan. It's only, I think, Ahrefs standard plans or, or higher. So yeah, just be careful there. So one kidney per month. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I've got an example here. It sounds like Apple, but it's a V instead of a, there's a V in there. So avplenews, avplenews.com. I don't really understand what's what's going on with that name. But if we sort by, if we look at their outgoing links, I mean, just look at the stuff in there. It's like hospitals, resume, resume help, pest control, garden room buildings. That looks like a local business. There's a lot of sites in here, a lot of links to sites in here that look like they're doing a lot of commercial link building, right? They probably don't have very good content on them themselves, so they just have to buy links. And the fact that at least half of the links on here are to those types of sites, you know, local lock repair business um, in the UK is one of them. And then the other half of the links are to kind of nonsense sites like businessinsiderusa.xyz. That's <laughs> that's kind of a bit sketchy. So you can really use this report to get an interesting insight into to, to what's going on. Yeah, lots of, uh, I, I use that a lot as well. Like when I was also doing uh, checking the disavow from the staff, I still have the autocomplete in Ahrefs. I was just putting CBD or casino and I could actually find all the outgoing links to CBD or casino sites. So for example, I would just put it on that site I just found five CBD sites, for example, just typing CBD in it. If I type casino, there's three, for example. So it gives you an idea of like how to find uh, shitty outbound links as well. That was one of my vetting methods. Yeah. And once again, you just have to be careful because if you go and type in CBD or casino in, in any site, you'll often find one you'll or find two. Some, yeah. So just take it with a... I didn't say it was bad. I just take it, moderation. it was one way yeah. to evaluate, you know. Okay. Do you want to talk about the next one or anchor text? Yeah, I'm going to talk about anchor text. It's an important one. It's context and anchor text. So it's like, it's a lot of text, but two things that I wanted to highlight is one that I have on scandasia.com, which is another quite obvious link farm. And the way I do this is I open like a random article on the site and I look for the outbound links in an article. So in this case, there's three outbound links in the uh, article. I, it's the HR tips and tricks that will help you manage people much easier. And there's one that's expectations that links to some kind of like high authority link, some like school or whatever. So it's like they link to that. Oh no, actually, sorry, they link to another link farm. Never mind. Then you have one that says human resource software, which is a little bit completely out of context. And then you have another one that's like, no, actually you only have two. But like, you get the idea. Like when there's a, like an exact match anchor text that matches a high search volume keyword in there, that's a little bit out of context and there's not a bunch in the post, I tend to flag that as like, yep, they're probably selling that links. And then the context as well is the other, other example that I have. So it's on a site called bumpy.com with two Ps. And the, the post is sub-psychology book every student should read. Okay, that's not a problem. But for example, so they're talking about psychology, right? They're talking about essentialism. That is the way to simplicity. And in the middle of the article, they literally mention like the fact that you might be buying papers online for your exams as an, you know, at school or something. It's like, it's really completely out of context as well. It doesn't make sense. Basically, it's like they just like wrote an extra sentence just to put this in there and shoehorn it in there. And when you identify this kind of like shoehorned link in content that just gets completely off topic, then that will give you a good idea of that is a link farm, basically. Okay, great. So the next factor I want to look at is looking at what they're, the site's ranking for. So if you again, if you go into Ahrefs organic search top pages, that's going to give you a list of the top pages ordered by how much traffic Ahrefs estimates each page is getting. And I got an example here, the techtarget.com, where 87.8% of their traffic comes to one page. 
And that one page ranks for some term mephimi or something. Mephimi? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. But that is also not even in, in um, English markets, but in Vietnam. So they're getting all, all of the traffic or most of the traffic in the site is attributed towards that one page that was ranking. And we talked about this in the podcast a few years ago. There's example of a keyword. It was like 0x00x0, which is a common Windows error, Windows, which people yeah. were searching for. And some sites managed to rank on page one for that. And they're getting like hundreds of thousands or millions of visits in Ahrefs. And there were a few kind of weird anomalies in, in certain keywords that, that were causing things like that. And it seem, certainly seems that there are still, albeit less so, like uh, cases of, of this happening. So always check the, or if you have time, check a site, look at the top pages and see if they're actually getting traffic to anything legit, anything relevant, anything to do with what the, the topic is about, or if it's random foreign language I'm not going to say nonsense keywords because I don't know what it is, but you get the picture. Okay, the next one I wanted to talk about is rate cards. So very often when you outreach to a site that looks like a good link building target, they'll reply to you with a big email that seems extremely well organized, that gives you the list of their prices, conditions, what they accept, don't accept, etc. It's a huge email and it's obviously a templated email. So I actually have an example that we received that blurred out the contact information and so on. So we're going to put this on screen, but you won't necessarily have to see all of that. But that gives you an idea of what we call a rate card looks like. And that's essentially the site giving you all their conditions in one simple email, telling you to send the money on PayPal to this address, uh, telling you exactly which what you can do in terms of linking, not linking, essentially give you an SOP to buy your link on their site, telling you they don't negotiate, even though they probably negotiate. And then when you see that a site is that well organized and has put so much thought into the process of link transactions, you can tell that it's not their first rodeo, that they've done it a few times. And so that usually receiving an email like that as a response would trigger a second check of the website on my end to try to check for these other things like these ranking keywords, like outbound links, what, what sites they link to, etc. Because quite often, you find that this site might not be as good quality as you expected it to be. So for me, a big red card is uh, receiving some kind of uh, the rates like that and an email that is well put together, basically. So be careful. Yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult one for that because if you are selling links, you know, if you're a real site and you're selling a few links here and there, if you're an organized person, you're probably going to develop some it, yeah. kind of rate card. <laughs> and this is the problem with all of the things we've talked about today, right? There are very few of them which out and out will tell you what's what's going on. You kind of have to look at a lot of them together in, in combination. And honestly, it takes a lot of time to do all this research, digging through every single site you're considering getting a link from. So you're kind of battling to find these factors, but you're battling against time at the same time, which is always difficult. And I've certainly found that this year and in, in recent years, it's much harder than it, it used to be to definitively say, yes, this is definitely a link farm or this is not a link farm. Takes longer. There are many examples which kind of fall somewhere in the middle. There's this example here I want to show you. It's uh, Daily Dream Decor. And there's a, it's quite a nice looking site, right? So it's a DR48 site with like 16, 17K traffic. So not amazing, but not bad either, especially for a, what appears to be a, a topic, what appears to be a focused site on, on decor design, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Gail, if you have a look at this, this site, there's a, 
Is your house infested with spiders? Seven answers that seven signs the answer is yes. And there's a link to it that's like, oh, if you find a spider egg, contact a local pest control company like Affinity Pest Control, which is a local local business. And obviously there's some kind of link building going on there. Most likely paid. We don't don't know for sure. But the context isn't that bad, right? This, is, this was what I would say falls in that gray area in the middle. So how would you classify that? Is this site a link farm? based on on what you can see here. I'm looking at it now, actually. So they run ads, so I like that. The traffic is growing. It's not crazy. I mean, being DR48 with less than 20K traffic, it's not very good, let's be honest. Like, they're not very good at SEO. (laughs) For this niche especially, it's an easy niche to get traffic in. Like, a site like that that's run properly should be over 100K already in traffic. If I look at the outgoing links, I'm going to do my uh, CBD casino trick. I see three CBD sites, and that's not even a, I see two casino sites. So it's like, that's definitely falling in. It's like, okay, there's some of these links, but there's not necessarily that. I'm actually looking at like one of the pages. You have uh, to be a bit the, careful though, because like one of those CBD links is not a CBD links. It's called CBD Glass Studios, which is a glass design studio. It just happened to have CBD in, in their name. Yeah, yeah. It's not so simple, but they are definitely selling links. Like I'm finding it like definitely. I see like the casino one, like the changing face of casino and gambling. It yeah, they are selling links, but at the same time they they're a bit smart about it because they talk about the layouts of casinos and essentially the interior design of the casinos. So it's like it's not completely stupid to to do it that way. So would I buy like my question is would I buy a link on this? Is that the question? Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends on the rest of your link profile, but it's not a yeah. great link. I wouldn't be excited about it. <laughs> yeah, but you, you can see how this is one that can kind of, you could go either way with it, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not a lot of easy say to yes. say. It depends on your policy. I think it's like you need to build a spine for your link policy, right? It's like there's some projects that be like, no, only great links. And there's some projects I'd be like, you know what? I don't give a shit. I just need some links and, and catch up. My competition is building a bunch of much worse links and they're doing just fine. Maybe I'm just going to go after that kind of link and it's completely fine. So I think it depends on the project. Uh, so some projects, yes, some projects, no. I guess it depends. That's my answer. <laughs> I like to build an editorial guideline for the links I get to a given project and like how hard we try, you know? And I think this is the ultimate takeaway, which I'd like most people to have from from this show, is there's, there's very few rights and wrongs when it comes to, to choosing whether a link's good or not, whether you want it or not. It always depends, of course, it's it, it's SEO, but it's it's depending more and more these days. As sites like this, which <laughs> could be a legit site. Can we put that on the thumbnail? It's <laughs> depending more and more. <laughs> sites like this, which, which could be a legit site selling a few links here and there, or could be just a very well put together link farm. I don't know, are existing and and transacting in the in the link market. So that's that's really the takeaway I want everyone to to have from this. Yeah, I think that was the thing. It's like it's it's quite complicated and it's not like a quick glance yes no anymore. You can't look at one number and say yes no. You can't look at one given metric like even organic traffic you can cheat it essentially. You can cheat everything. Yep. I mean they're they're answering to the demands of the market. What happened is people were buying links on very obvious link farms. And people were complaining. They were like, we don't want these links. We don't want to pay this much for these links. And they were like, okay, how do we make links that we can sell for more? And they essentially came quite close to looking like real size. But in the eyes of Google, 
they're not real sites in many cases. And a lot of these, I'm pretty sure they'll probably just do nothing. They'll probably, you'll spend money and you'll just waste it. And we don't want you to waste your money. So I would say that uh, it you should put a little bit more effort than you probably have historically into finding the right link targets for your link building. And that was what this podcast was about. Any final words of wisdom or you already did it? I'm good, thanks. You're good. All right. Well, thank you for coming for the podcast and we'll see you in two weeks for the next episode.